Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Molly Rose Speed is an entrepreneur and the owner of Virtual Assistant Management. Molly Rose is a talented strategic thinker with cultivated skills in online tech solutions, systems, seamless automation, online programs, and processes that improve company efficiencies. She has launched her career from being a corporate accountant cubicle dweller to becoming an entrepreneur and the creator of virtual assistant management, which provides trusted virtual assistant solutions and flawless tech execution, serving busy entrepreneurs and business owners. Molly Rose is the go-to professional for some of the most successful entrepreneurs in the speaker, author, and content creator industry. Welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Molly. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you on today. And here's why. I am a firm believer that virtual assistants can be a huge game changer for business owners, but also for busy professionals across industries. And that may include on a personal level, like a virtual assistant to help with day-to-day tasks related Mm -hmm. to kids, family, side hustles, and really just anything, right? Absolutely. Yep. That's why I'm here. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about your background because you, you started out as a corporate accountant. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, accountant is, that's a pretty male populated field. What was that like for you? I hated it. <laughs> so I graduated with a finance degree and thought I was going to go into investment banking and do all that, but it was during the, the crash of the early the mid two thousands. And, um, so I was like, who's going to hire a 22 year old female to do the investing. Uh, so mm-hmm. I went the corporate route and ended up as, uh, what I call a corporate cubicle dweller <laughs> and quit that really quickly. I've heard like cubicle monkey, I've heard various yeah. terms like um, code monkey. That's what it, code monkey. Um, so yeah. So tell me like what, when, so how long did you do that for? Did, did you yeah. decide you wanted to do something else? Yeah. So I did, um, the finance corporate finance for two years. And then I was also a manager of a target store, which was an awesome experience, but you work a lot and all the holidays. And so I just quickly realized this wasn't life, the life I wanted to live. And I was really happy to do that around 25 years old. I just quit. You just completely just got out of the career that you were in, tried a different career. Didn't want to do that. So then what, how did you find your footing? Yeah. So, um, my husband's military, we were engaged at the time. He got home from a deployment to an unemployed fiance that he was marrying five days later. (laughs) And he was super supportive. And he said, you know, let's just give you a runway. Like within six months, try to have something figured out. We'll be fine. Well, within three, um, I had saw a job posting on social media of of someone that I knew of of a friend and he needed a social media marketing manager for a a crowdfunding campaign on student loan debt. And I thought to myself, okay, I don't, 
I've never done this, but I think this is something I could figure out. So I applied for it and it was kind of my first taste of making my own money um, mm-hmm. for a service I could pro- provide outside of having a traditional W-2 or being you know, a corporate employee. And from there, it just spiraled into uh, being a virtual assistant for one of those founders of that project that then turned into having referrals and learning so much about the online business space and building courses and websites and managing uh, accounting and marketing. And I just wore all these hats and I realized there's no professionalism around this virtual assistant thing. Everyone's kind of, it's like what I say, picking up a camera and saying you're a photographer. It's like they're picking Uh up a computer and saying they're a professional assistant. And so I really kind of leaned into that and realized I needed to create a program around certifying people as virtual assistants. So now that's what I do now. I attract a lot of military spouses because I'm trying to create that, that workforce. And, um, and now we place them with busy entrepreneurs, corporate moms, uh, uh, solopreneurs, you name it. Uh, so we're able to provide that solution in the marketplace. So it's been really great. So you really took, (laughs) you really took the idea that, because you tried it, you were a virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And you saw all these issues around what was happening in the marketplace with it. There was a huge gap that needed to be filled. And that was that training and that professionalism, that organization and decided to create your own company around it. And I love that you are filling your slots with people who are military spouses. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, Some people might be more familiar than others. What does that mean to be a military spouse? Yeah. Something I didn't see coming. I was, I was not raised around the military or that culture. Now I'm totally embedded in it. Um, But what happens is people like myself or men and women, mostly women get displaced, right? We get moved to these small bases, oftentimes around the country. Some of them are better than others where getting a job is very challenging. I remember going into job interviews and I would, you know, take my ring off so they wouldn't think I was a military spouse um, because you kind of get targeted as someone that's going to move in two to three years. Um, Or you're put into a marketplace that doesn't really have an industry. So uh, some of the careers that you talk about on your, on your show, like being an architect, that's, something that's really hard to find in my town, find, find a job doing that. So um, I, I created this career as an outlet for military spouses to be able to work wherever they want, whenever they want on a flexible schedule while their husband's deployed and they're running a household and all of that. Um, yeah. And then it's attracted even more than military spouses. A lot of stay-at-home moms are now doing this and they come from all different backgrounds. Some are from medical fields, some are have college degrees, some don't. It, it's just a really diverse, cool thing that I'm able to provide. That's so interesting because you're really attracting people who have a huge skill set already. They're coming into probably um, the marriage situation with their own background, their own education, mm-hmm. their own work experience. And the only reason they're not already in that field, working in that field is because they've decided to support their husbands or their spouses, I should say, because it could go both ways, military career. Yes. And they end up having to move around. Then they can't find work because like you said, there's nothing available in the town or everybody knows, you know, they're leaving in a couple of years. They're yes. not, right? <laughs> right. Like they are leaving in a couple of years. So it gives them that platform. That's so cool. Um, Let's, so, okay. You know, one of the cool things about this is, so you know that our audience is all kinds of people, right? But it's very uh, focused on women in these male populated industries. So you come from one yourself being mm-hmm. an accountant. Um, but a lot of our audience is these things like uh, 
They come from industries like architecture, construction, engineering, STEM fields, trades, and similar industries. And I've seen in our Facebook group and just online in general, these discussion groups, conversations happening that start with somebody coming in and saying, okay, guys, like, how is everyone doing this? How is everyone keeping it together? How are you holding it together? I'm on the edge. I can't, I can't manage it all. And I think a lot of the reason for that is, you know, it's very, very common for women to be mm -hmm. holding all the burden of the family or way more than 50% of the mental burden, the mental load, they call it of the family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not, not to mention the physical, you know, more than 50% of the physical load. So, you know, is this, are you encountering the same sort of situation where you see that people need more help than they, they're getting? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, especially those that have family to take care of, if you're working 50, 60 hours a week that, that our culture now demands, which is not mm -hmm. okay. Um, it, it, that is the question. How do you get it all done? And mm -hmm. I think I have a mentor that always says permission granted to women, just like permission to get the cleaning lady, permission to have the lawn care, permission to have your groceries delivered, permission to have that personal assistant or virtual assistant at work for a fraction of what you probably think it costs, um, mm -hmm. just to be able to take care of things so you can show up for your kids' soccer games fully or your kids' dance practice or that vacation with your husband or that dinner on Friday night without having all this, this burden behind you. Yeah. And I feel like, do you know, tell me if you agree with this, maybe there used to be a perception that it was only like the most privileged elite people yeah. that had all this help. Right. But actually it's regular people. It's working people that just need extra support in different areas. We cannot do every single thing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not, you know, the people sitting at the top of the corporate ladder with the multi six figure, you know, salary. It's, it's the average people that are just like, I can't do it all. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the solution then you, so your company provides outsourcing to virtual mm -hmm. assistants. Can you talk through like, what does that look like? I know that when we, when I think of a virtual assistant and I have, I have used them before and I do have one that I have part-time right now, but I think, I don't know how normal my experiences. So just in general, what does it, the whole thing look like? Yes. So I'm going to talk about this in two regards for your, okay. for your business life, right? So you could be a W2 employee. You could be an entrepreneur. You could own your own business, whatever it is. And then your personal life. So from the business side, if there are things that you're doing that are repeatable, trainable, those are the things that virtual assistants can easily take off of your plate in addition to, you know, managing a really busy inbox. So imagine someone coming in and you're, they're shifting out all, sifting out all the junk and they're leaving only the six to seven emails that really matter each day mm -hmm. for you to mm -hmm. address, um, or managing your schedule, making sure everything's buttoned up on your schedule, your zoom link to join is there, your documents to follow your agendas, your travels booked. All of that can be handled by a virtual assistant that just, you, you don't feel that it's taking a lot of time when you're doing it, but it mm -hmm. really does eat up that mental capacity and it distracts you. Um, if you are running a business, a lot of the things that are outsourced are things like your online presence, your social media, your website needs, mm -hmm. um, your online course needs. I mean, that's kind of specific, but th that can go down a rabbit hole. And then on the personal side, which I think this audience might really benefit from is, some of the things I mentioned and then some, so, um, 
you know, having all of your groceries ordered and they're actually the ones sitting on the Instacart, you know, approving things and answering the questions. So you're not getting distracted, um, managing all of your household bills and contractors coming in and out, mm-hmm. um, could be kid things like we have virtual assistants that, that sign the daughter up for, um, dance, make sure the tutus ordered, make sure the grandparents have it on their schedule, make sure dinner reservations are booked. Uh, mm-hmm. we have virtual assistants that plan date nights for, for couples. It's really funny story wow. around that, but you know, it, it can just go on and on and you just, just start looking at your life and all the things that you do every day, every week, and you'll start to identify these are things I specifically don't need to be doing that someone else can take off my plate. Okay. So do you recommend maybe sitting down, just have a notepad or just have an app open in your phone and just every time you find yourself doing a task, jot it down. If you think it's something someone else could handle. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, when you're at work, I, I always, when new clients come in, I say, take a notebook, have it next to your desk, carry it with you for two weeks and write down everything you do. I mean, everything, I know it's a pain, but just as you're transitioning, I just did this. I just emailed this person. I just sent this guide for the fifth time or whatever it is. (laughs) And then walk away for about a week and come back and just circle the things only you need to do. And what's left honestly should start to be outsourced to a virtual assistant or someone on your team. Talk, talk us through the finances of this. Um, I know it's, it can't be too cheap to have a virtual assistant. So how do you justify that, that expense? Are you actually saving money by doing it in other areas? So as a business owner or entrepreneur, or you're providing your own services for money, right? Freelancer, this gets a little, it's a little easier, right? Cause it's, if you can bill a higher dollar than what you're outsourcing for, the math makes sense, right? If you're on a W-2 or you're doing a personal assistant, this is where you really have to balance your your life and what matters more for the expense to really make sense. And if you can, in general, afford it, right? Um, When I say, I said at the beginning, virtual assistants are, you know, you'd be surprised at what you can actually pay someone. So you can outsource things overseas. And that's where we see those like $8 an hour pay it used to be $5 an hour. It's really coming up a little bit as, as everything grows. Um, but us-based virtual assistants in general, I'm seeing charge around 25 an hour. Um, and I, I use the term fractional assistant. So you don't have to hire someone for 20 hours a week or 40 hours a week. Right. I'm just asking, you know, maybe five hours a week, consider what uh-huh. that could do to change things. 125 bucks a week. That might really change your, your life, right? It might really yeah. free up some time. And then that just makes you better at your job or better at your family life or better at your relationships. Right. And just uh-huh. enjoying it for, for that little of cost. That's so interesting because it, it's, even if it's only five hours of a week, well, that's, that is a lot. I feel, I feel like I can get a lot done in five hours. Right. But, yeah. but even if that five hours doesn't seem like a lot of time, just think about the mental load that you're reducing from your own brain. You can focus on other things and you can be present, right. For other aspects of your life. Yeah. And you're also giving it to someone, hopefully that is an expert. So they're hyper-efficient. So what they're getting done in an hour for you, they're genius at, they're really, really good at Yeah. Whereas right. you get, so they're- you know, you think about it, you're like, Oh, what color do I want? Or what do I, and they're just like, Nope, we're doing this. And you, yeah, you know, so it's really, and good. Does, is it, is it hard to convince people to give up that control? And they're like, <laughs> yes, that's the hardest part about hiring 
and I'm guilty of that too, as someone that's even in this role, I'm like, wow, someone else doing my stuff. It, it, it's a learned skill, right? You have to, you have to just trust and you have to let people do it their way. If they get come to the same outcome, it doesn't matter how they get there. I think that's one of the things you really have to, to learn as well. So a lot of, a lot of what we just talked about was related to the mental load and like the household things that we are all responsible for to keep our lives moving and to keep everyone happy in our families. Um, let's talk about business, women, business owners, Mm -hmm. or just, you know, women, working women who are, maybe they're working for someone else or for a company and they have a job, but, um, what are some things they can do to outsource some of their work life? Yeah. Um, again, that same exercise of writing down the things that you do, I think is super important. If you're employed and there are team members that, that also comes, will come in handy. I've had, um, employees do this where they realize they're doing work that someone else is supposed to be doing. So this isn't even just a conversation about how you're outsourcing. Are you doing stuff that is bogging you down that another team member is actually responsible for? Chances are yes. And that's a challenging conversation to have, right? Or is there an assistant in the office that maybe you could ask for two hours a week of their time, or can they help you with something that gets off of your plate? Um, Or, and then the third step would be going to try to find that higher, right? Whether that is like something your company is paying for, you're paying for if it's your own business, um, or you're able to subsidize with your own pay and they're allowed to work within your business. That's just mm-hmm. approvals that you probably have to get, right? If you're working mm-hmm. for a company. Yeah. So, okay. So <laughs> I just, it, it's hard to imagine um, working for a company and then that them allowing you to hire your own assistant. Is that something that you have ever seen happen? A lot of salespeople will come to us and do that. That's an easy one. Um, you just have to justify it, but uh-huh. usually it has to go through the company for that to yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. And then, but I think just in general, it's such a great exercise to do is to sit at your, as you do your job each day and write down every single thing you are doing, because yeah, what I'm sure you are going to find things that maybe you didn't need to be doing. Maybe it was somebody else's job. And then you can take that as ammunition, when you go to, you get your next raise or discussion about your position, right? You can mention, (laughs) well, actually I do this, this, and this, and this isn't really part of my job description. This is such and such as job description, but I've been taking on this extra work. So that's seems like a good, a good way to, you know, improve your position, right? Yes, absolutely. And I think, uh, also if there's things that you're doing in your job that, you know, you could outsource to someone for a fraction of the cost, you can justify that probably to an employer say, look, if I spend my time doing X, Y, Z, it's going to probably give you this result. If I can yeah. outsource this for, and you can do the numbers, you know, that, that that's seems such a good point because mm-hmm. they're paying you a certain rate, right? Presumably. Right. So then maybe the rate that maybe they're, they're paying you X rate for work. That's really not worth that much. And they should be, they should be paying someone else less to do that. So you can concentrate on your job. Yes. Yes. Um, so let's talk about some productivity. So we're talking about entrepreneurs and people who own their business. Yeah. So let's talk about some productivity tech. Hacks. Yes. So I am a huge believer of uh, task management, right? So mm-hmm. Right now, I'm probably doing a bad job. I'm in the middle of moving. So give me some grace. But I'm looking at my desk. This would be a bad example. I have a notepad out with a bunch of notes on it. I have a planner. And then on my computer, I have a calendar and I have a digital planner. Like that isn't ineffective. And I find that most of us do that, right? We have to-do lists all over the place. We write things down only to cross them out because we have satisfaction of doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
So in a digital age, especially when you're working on a team, I think transparency in what everyone is doing is super important. So I always recommend a project management tool. The one that I like the best is Asana, if you've heard of it. Mm -hmm. It's free. Um, There is a paid version, but I've been using the free one for seven years. And What I love about it is it holds everyone on a team accountable, including yourself. It gives you a due date, gives you owners, and it keeps you out of email. So you can message back and forth about stuff. You can upload files. Everything is there. And when something goes red, right, meaning it's past due, we need to know why, right? So it just keeps everybody aware of what's on everyone else's plate, one place for communication. So I find that super, super important when you're on a team. Um, another really important thing that I, I need, I recommend, and this is not, um, complex in any way is how is your team communicating or how are you communicating with others? Um, as an assistant, for example, I get tasks from one client via, I have via Skype, Google chats, email, text, phone calls, zoom, Asana, right. And I'm not kidding. One client would would, used to do that to me. And you're just asking for a breakdown. Um, So I always say, how are you tasking? Use Asana or something like it. And then for SOS, meaning I need your help right away. That's when the communication is you pick up the phone or Uh you send a text message. So when, when your team knows that, that that's an action that you need to take right away. And as much as you can, you stay out of email. It's Uh the vein of, I think, productivity. Why, wait, why do you say out of email? I, I think email is, it, it's, it's, I call it abuse because it's a little abrasive, but um, I just think that people flood you with emails. You're expected mm-hmm. to respond. It's like getting a phone call and it's not productive. And you're CCing people that don't need to be CC'd when you have these project management tools that can handle all of this for you. Of course, sometimes you have to be an email, right? If you're corresponding with an outside client or, um, you're providing a service for someone that's not in your internal communication, but from a team perspective, I think it's, it, it, it's not productive and people spend hours every morning, just cleaning out their email when they mm-hmm. can be doing productive work. Mm. Or they could be hiring a virtual assistant. Or they, <laughs> yeah, they can clean it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so true. That is a really good point about email. It gets, it really gets cumbersome. And Sometimes even on the weekends, if I'm at brunch with my family or something, three hour, a three hour window is enough to leave and come back. And my email inbox is total insanity. So yeah, I I get what you're saying with that. Now, okay. So those are some productivity hacks. A lot of this, you know, is related to working in the office, but we know that a virtual assistant is remote. A lot of us are working from home now. It's kind of become the new normal. Do you recommend that people try to work from home if possible, or do you think it doesn't matter for productivity? I love this. I, I just, I mentioned I moved into a new house because the office is out in the garage. Like it's a full fledged office Ooh. and I'm so excited about it. Yeah. Um, I think it depends if you have others living in your space when you're working. I felt mm-hmm. I, um, my husband also was working remote for the past year or so, not during the pandemic necessarily, but um, it was very unproductive. You're getting, you're getting distracted all the time, or, yeah. you know, you find something, you got to vacuum it and all of a sudden you're doing laundry and you're, you know, we all probably experienced that. I think there's a good hybrid of, of things that are, is really important. I find, I find myself to be way more productive in my own space. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I think that's a personal thing, but certainly have your own workspace that you can mm-hmm. unplug from. I find myself, if I, 
bring my computer and I'm working on the couch or the kitchen table, then that becomes that environment. And that's where I can plug in at any point. So being able to disconnect that has been a yeah. huge call out for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I guess it really does depend on person and on the environment. Cause I do remember that definitely a couple of office jobs I've had where I could not focus because everyone was talking to me at work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I guess it really makes a difference. It just depends on the situation. So talking about leading a virtual team, I know you mentioned Asana. Um, I, I know which app that is. I've, yeah. I've used it a little bit. I really like Trello myself, yeah. um, but it's a similar thing, I think. How, what are some best practices other than using Asana to be effective with leading a team, a virtual team? So we talked about project management. We talked about communication. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, to add to the communication, a, a big breakdown I see with clients is if you're not connecting with your virtual team at the beginning of the week, 25 minutes, 20 minutes uh, at a minimum, that can cause a lot of issues. I've had a lot of clients say, I don't need to, I can just get in the, you know, task them. And well, we all need that human connection. We all want that personal to grow, growth, professional growth. And I think that that's also super important. So if you're a virtual leader, even if you're a business owner and you have a virtual team of contractors, I, I would recommend including some of that professional development, like come together as a group. What, what are the mm -hmm. goals of the business? What's the mission? How can everyone kind of grow and level up into their next thing? You know, how's an yeah. assistant become an operations manager? And then maybe your COO, you know, or how does an accountant, your bookkeeper become your, your, your finance manager or CFO. So mm -hmm. I think that's, that's super important just because we're virtual doesn't mean we don't need to connect and be together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like a virtual zoom or teams meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Each, each Monday. Yeah. Week, yeah. I think that's, brain. yeah. And then, um, you know, also like little development sessions every quarter with your team. I think that's super important. We do it in corporate. Why not do mm -hmm. it in the online space as well? Yeah. And how do you keep your team? I'm, I'm really thinking of virtual assistants uh, at this point, yeah. because I have, I've worked a few myself. How do you keep your team productive and efficient in the work? Cause you're not there. You're not there to micromanage it. Right. How, how do you do it? Yeah. So as the delegator, the business owner, uh, being clear and having a vision is absolutely key to the success and productivity of your team. I've had at least 90 clients over the past 10 years at a minimum. And the ones where I have wailed or not been my best is because I have no idea where they're headed and they're squirrely. I, you know, lots of business owners, like have all these ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, so being crystal clear with what you want your virtual assistant to be working on, what they're responsible for, giving them the autonomy to be in charge of something. You know, if you're hosting a podcast, are, are they in charge of it from start to finish? They can be. Um, so give that to them. Or mm -hmm. if they're in charge of your online media, you know, give them that, that reign. So I think that's super important. And it starts with the business owner being really clear about what they do, what the company does, how you make money. Um, and then letting them fall into place with that. So be really clear about what they're responsible for, but then give them the autonomy yeah. to be in charge of it. Yes. With time. Of course, don't with, start there. Okay. To grow toward <laughs> autonomy. <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, where can our listeners find you, Molly? Yes. So virtualassistantmanagement.com is our placement agency. And I'm Molly Rose Speed. I have a website. I'm on Instagram. Love to 
to communicate. If anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Okay, great. And what would be, if you had like a message that you could leave with everyone, uh, what would it be? Uh, so I love to say, build a career around your life, not a life around your career, which Ooh, is I like what we can all do if you, if you pay attention to some of the things that we talked about. Molly Roski, tech professional and founder of Virtual Assistant Management. Thank you so much for spending this time with us today on the Hazard Girls podcast. We are all going to be so productive now. It's yeah. Really <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right. Have a great day, Molly. Thank you again. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.